You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is now going for the green with Daily Roto. Good evening. Welcome to Going the Green with Mike Leone and Colin Drew of DailyRoto.com as we get you ready for this week's golf tournament and making sure you've got everything you need to be successful when you put together your lineups this week because you know what? We've got another peculiar tournament, and we've got a little different playing method this week than we usually play on weeks Monday through Friday. And one of the things we're going to be looking for in the career builder challenge, they move out to California, and we'll break down the little difference in this week's tournament compared to every other week. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, ready for another week of golf. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing well as well. We also have Colin Drew with us from DailyRoto.com. Colin, how are you doing? Hey, doing good. Hoping we didn't steer you too far in the wrong direction, talking you off Brian Harmon last week. Oh, no. I used Brian Harmon, Mike, and that was one of the things. Is uh, Here's the thing is, man, I, I was the best after three days, but these golf tournaments are four days. It is wild sometimes. I think like you have this feeling that just because a guy is doing well. I mean, it happens like round to round. Like we saw Gary Woodland, you know, he shot – well over par the front nine on day two and it looked like he was going to go from easily making the cut to missing the cut i was tilting him i gave up on him and then he just runs off a stretch of birdies on the back nine but round around it's the same thing it really is you got to look at it you know three days barring you know your guys making the cut is just 75 percent of the tournament so much can happen and a lot of times we assume just because the guy's doing well for three days he's going to do well the fourth day and uh, that's definitely not always the case no, not always the case. And, uh, Colin, I had five out of six make it in both my uh, main lineups last week. But it, it wasn't enough to make any major money. Really needed the six for six in that high-scoring environment. And we have another high-scoring environment this week. Yeah, we definitely do. I know last week getting six of six through the cut was something that was required with all the birdies on the weekend. And it was definitely something that was popular. Popular players that were value plays like Jason Duffner, Gary Woodland, Tony Finau all made the cut. And so anytime that happens, it's going to be tough. And scoring this week, there's uh, a cut after three rounds, which is a little bit of a unique beast. So you'll at least have your golfers playing on Saturday this week, Tony. Yeah, yeah. So here's what we're going to do when we come back from break. We're going to talk about strategy when there's three rounds cut. Uh, we have a little different strategy when there's four rounds, but those are usually like invitationals where you have 30 or 50 golfers, and at the end of the year it, it comes down a little bit. So we'll figure out what to do in this one where they'll knock down a 70 on Sunday, possibly 60 depending on how many golfers are tied for that 70 spot. So you'll listen to Going for the Green with Mike Leone, DailyRoto.com, Colin Drew, and we're going to make sure you got everything you need here. We'll talk some uh, golf course strategy. We'll break down the courses for you. Three separate courses played in this contest and no cuts until Sunday for the final round, which makes it all the interest. And I think when I was remembering this course, don't they have one hole where there's a whole bunch of stands around it, Mike Leone? Uh, I think they do. That's a better question for Colin. He's he's more knows the ins and outs of the course. Colin, isn't there one where people just go wild on a par three? Uh, that's uh, the waste management a little bit. I know one of the courses. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to take the, a quick look. Stadium that's course, my favorite hole. Yeah, that's my favorite hole. Stay tuned for more Golf for the Green. Back with more after this. 
Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Uh, okay. Welcome back. Going for the green right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Got the guys from DailyRoto.com, Mike Leone and Colin True as we get getting you ready for the golf tournament this weekend and making sure you got everything you need to be successful. Now, Mike, three rounds, you got everybody playing. A fourth round, uh, we got uh, some cuts. It's going to be the top 70 a cut, but if it's more than 78 with ties, it gets down to 60. So do we go any difference here uh, in our strategy? Uh, what kind of strategy are you looking at this week? It's a little strange because when we get the four-day events with no cut, we can go studs and duds. We don't have to worry about people making a cut. We can go a bit riskier, just focus on guys who are good in terms of uh, DraftKings scoring. And we say that guys who make a lot of birdies because making a birdie and a bogey is better than making two pars in terms of fantasy scoring. Uh, Last week when you got the cut halfway through after two rounds, you want to be a little bit more balanced. You can't take that risk in your second cheapest and your cheapest golfers with guys that are you know only 60 percent to make the cut and you run into issues like you had tony where you make five or six through the cut and you need six out of six in these good scoring environments and it's another good scoring environment so with this tournament the cut after three rounds it's a mixture of both where uh, you can go high low you can fit in a john rom up top an expensive guy and still build a somewhat balanced lineup uh, but you probably can't go full-on studs and duds with two expensive golfers and then a bunch of really cheap guys because because some of the best values are above $7,000. You start dipping below that $7,000 range, even though you're getting a guaranteed three rounds out of these guys, I think it's too risky of uh, a bet to make when these guys probably aren't going to make the cut. Yeah, Colin, when you look at this, uh, do you approach it the same way as Mike, or do you have anything uh, a little different? Yeah, What's generally, that? I think the reason this week is tough for me is because of the three course rotation uh so there's three different courses they'll be playing each golfer plays them on the first three days la quinta the jack nicholas course at pga west and the stadium course at pga west and then the stadium course will be the home of the final round event and one of the things i usually like to look at is the stat profiles of different courses and how they fit but with three courses this week it's really tough to hone in on one and so i think you're kind of just looking at like uh you know, overall skill of the golfer opposed to trying to find a course fit. And I definitely think, you know, I want to build a good chunk of my team centered around John Rahm, who's the clear favorite in our projections. And then probably another, you know, uh, half or two thirds of my teams that are, are a little bit more balanced approach. And if you look at the three courses this week, they're all in the lower half of uh, difficulty rankings on the PGA Tour. Out of the 50 uh, courses that they'll play, uh, the TPC course is the 30th. Uh, TPC Tournament course is 39th. And La Quinta Country Club is 49th out of the 50th, which we expect all high scoring to become from this event as well. And the winners have been all plus 20 the last couple of years. Hudson Swafford won last year. Jason Duffner, who's got a huge price increase this week. Bill Haas, Patrick Reed, and Brian Gay are the past winners 
what are some of the um, metrics that we'll be looking for, Mike, as far as key statistics that we could look for in this golf course? Well, I think long-term form is always going to be really important. But as Callum mentioned, with this golf course, uh, you're looking for a good all-around golfer. And I think that just adjusted scoring averages over the last couple of seasons are going to be really important. That's one of the things that most drives the data golf finish probability model. But if you wanted to hone in on one skill, I think shots gained approach, there might be a slight lean towards those guys. So that's one skill I'll be looking at a bit more closely than the other stats. And, uh, Colin, last week I know we talked about it, and a lot of us didn't see a lot of uh, differences as far as the grass goes. Uh, the putting greens will be on Bermuda grass. Do you ever take that into account when you put together your, um, your, your teams there, guys that putt better on, on, on Bermuda grass? We could actually look up that stack because I looked it up today. <laughs> I don't usually take into account just there's so much noise in putting in general that when you get into the specific grass types, it's hard for me to figure out what's kind of predictive and what's noise. I do know it's one of the things that golfers themselves reference a lot as far as having certain golfers feeling more comfortable on the greens that they grew up on. But at the end of the day, they're all professional golfers at this point, and they have seen all the different types of greens. So for me, it's not something that I take into account uh, typically, but it's definitely one of those things that I think I think there's some truth to it. I just don't know how to tease out what the predictive value is. Some of the guys with some strong course history here. Last year, Brian Harmon came in third, and he had 11th a year prior. Phil Mickelson's at his last three tournaments here has finished no worse than 24th uh, here. Jason Duffner won two years ago, followed up with a 25th last year. Brendan Steele has a 6th, 34th, and 2nd in his last three years. Bill Haas, 17th, 9th, and a 1st in that one. And then David Lingermouth, uh, 34th, a 2nd, and a 24th. And then you also have Adam Hadwin, Hadwin who uh, got off to a tear last year and had to uh, reschedule his wedding, has a 2nd and 6th. His wedding was supposed to be the Masters weekend. He didn't plan on being there. That's, uh, Mike, that's not a very good fortitude for a golfer to think he wouldn't make the Masters. I know. you got to plan ahead. you got to be ambitious and have those goals set, right? Yeah, so those are some of the guys with some good uh, course history in this tournament. Mike, does any of those uh, course histories uh, sway you in one of the directions of those golfers? I think the most interesting to me is that I can't pay 10000 bucks under any circumstances for Phil Mickelson, uh, yet he's played well <laughs> at this course. Well, the interesting thing with the course history this week is that they went to a new rotation recently. So we don't have a whole ton of course history data. So it's something that I'm reluctant to lean on too heavily to begin with, especially you know when we don't have a large sample size and we're not going to get that large sample size with the new rotation of golf courses here so but i do like phil at 10k uh, i don't know if we want to get into him now but i know matt from data golf who's one of the uh, two partners there noted that in this field that phil mickelson's shots gained over the last two years is well above everybody else i think except for rom or there's only one other guy with a better strokes gained over the last two years than mickelson so he's actually played really really well even though he didn't win last year so i'm into phil at 10k I'm going to ask Colin that I'm going to try to get a, a, somebody here that maybe he's not in love with Phil. What about Phil? He's at his advanced age. Is there a such thing as golf stamina? Do you need stamina to complete four rounds of golf? <laughs> I don't know if you need stamina or you just need all the gambling urges that Phil has carrying through every <laughs> round. <laughs> Energy definitely doesn't seem to be Phil's, Phil's issue despite you know all his psoriatic arthritis commercials and whatnot. It seems like for a DraftKings scoring environment that rewards 
birdies so much in an event like this that rewards birdies so much that he can still be up there. Um, and it definitely is an interesting tournament just with the Pro-Am happening for the first three days. You definitely wonder who's there because their sponsors want them there versus who's there because, you know, they really want to show up and win the event. But regardless, I know Phil likes putting on a show and I definitely am comfortable putting some money behind Phil this week. You know, that's one of the crazy things. When I watch these Pro-Ams on TV, Mike, and then I realize that, like, some of these golfers, the pros golfers, like this counts, and yet we're trying to wager on them, and they got Bill Murray screwing around on the golf course. Like, when are we going to start getting that deep? I know in, in DFS we got to the umpires and stuff. I want to know who my pros, I don't want to know the amateurs that they're paired with because some of these guys would worry me. So who's your ideal pairing then? You, you want someone loose, keeping it loose out there like Bill Murray, or you want someone uh, who's taking their golf pretty seriously like a Stephen Curry type? Yeah, yeah, I want someone taking their uh, their golf pretty seriously. Actually, I would like uh, I would like that, and I like them to you know to get a little fired up. Like Phil, I could see if Phil was playing with like a Stephon Curry type. Stephon would you know be cocky, and and Phil would put some money on him, and Phil would you know take his money. <laughs> Yeah, plus I'm sure those guys must get annoyed sometimes waiting, you know, just pace of play and uh, just yeah. seeing some ridiculous shots that you don't usually see. So uh, we're, that'll be the next tier of our, our daily roto packages. We'll break down the amateur golfers that are being paired with the pro golfers and see who gives you the biggest edge there. Colin, I never want my golfer paired with Charles Barkley or Chris Berman. I've seen those two golf and forget it. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully hopefully they're not in the field this week i mean some of the rounds will be six hours long so i know the golf channel coverage was obviously terrible last week with the strike uh, i don't think we're going to get great coverage this week just with all the pro-ams taking the field and uh some of the shots we'll be seeing but i think that's one of the reasons that the course plays so easy is the first three days they do set up easy pin placements to keep the rounds moving along and then the fourth day always tends to play a little bit more difficult the stadium course can be a difficult course when they choose to set it up that way and so i think come sunday we'll see a good exciting finish to the event when we come back we'll break down all the golf is over ten thousand bucks as the guys mentioned john rahm eleven thousand eight hundred he is the guy that has the highest salary on DraftKings this week and his five golfers at least ten thousand three over eleven thousand and we'll break them down so you don't have to go anywhere right now. Get your number two pencils out if they even use them anymore and start writing down these uh, plays so you can go this weekend or you can do what everybody else does. You go to DailyRoto.com. You can sign up for the package. And when people tell me, you know what, Tony, I like I like those guys and I'd like to get interested, but I can't afford it. And I always say the same thing. You know why I can't afford it? Because you don't have it. If you had it, you'd have a little extra money. I mean, I spend 3 bucks every day going to Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, that's a waste of money, right? I could spend 3 bucks every day on dailyroto.com, and then I wouldn't need a 401k plan. I wouldn't need Donald Trump to cut my taxes, and I wouldn't need a bonus uh, from Walmart. These are all things you got to keep in consideration when you go to dailyroto.com. We'll be back with the top golfers after this. You listen to Going to Green on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. 
So go to dailyrotor.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back to Going for the Green with Mike Leone and Colin Drew of DailyRoto.com. Go there and grab all the golf advice you need and get it from the best guys that win. And you want to be a winner, too. you got to learn from the winners. We're breaking down the DraftKings slate, and we have five golf. It's over 10000 bucks. Three are actually over 11000 John Rahm, 11800 Brian Harmon, 11500 Patrick Reed, 11100 Kevin Kisner, 10-4. And the guy we spoke about, Phil Mickelson, at 10000 So, uh, Mike, you were a fan of Phil Mickelson. Would you say you would have the most shares of him out of this group? I think I'll have the second most shares of the group on him. I think the most shares will be John Rahm, and I know that's going to be the chalkiest play of the group, but we have him, even at this high price tag, $11,800 is the best value on data golf for someone who's both an excellent golfer in terms of just straight scoring, but also in terms of fantasy scoring. And in those scoring points, uh, Rahm is someone who makes birdie you know, more often than the average golfer. We have him projected for the most scoring points in the field by over five over anyone else. And then you look in terms of place probability and you look at his top 20 odds and we've got Rom with by far the best top 20 odds 57% chance at a top 20 no other golfer is higher than 45% so uh, we're really high on John Rom, and I think he's good chalk and one thing with this field and this format with the cut after three days I think you can you don't have to think about being as high leverage as you would on a normal event with a cut after two rounds just because the variance gets reduced a little bit, both in the sense that even guys that miss the cut are going to play three days and also in the sense that if a guy who's chalky has a bad first round, he's got two rounds to make up for. He doesn't have to have one crazy round, and if he doesn't have that round, he's cut and is missing out on the weekend. And then, uh, Colin, when you look at it, is there uh, John Rom, Phil Mickelson, you in the same uh, length here? Is there another guy that sticks out to you? I'm generally on the same page as Mike. The thing that I'm keeping an eye on, and I'll be interested, you know, come Wednesday, probably won't make the decision until Wednesday evening, is the ownership projections that we have right now on Kevin Kisner and Patrick Reed are both at 10% or below as far as ownership, which is the lowest ownership you can get on any golfer above uh, 8,700, it looks like. And so anytime I think that you can get somebody who's one of the tournament favorites at that low ownership, uh, if they do happen to win or crack the top five, it can be a big boost to your lineup. So I'm interested in Kisner or Reed if they'll be at 10% ownership or lower. If it turns out that they pick up a little bit of steam late in the week and they're just going to be at like 15 or 20% ownership, then I'd rather pass on them at that price and go with Rom or Phil, who are our preferred plays out of this group of players. Yeah, Patrick Reed's very interesting because that's a guy that can really put it together and really see him under 10%. That'd be very intriguing when you look at that mike is there one guy in this group that you would try to avoid this week so it's tough my initial instincts to fade Harmon again i know we were on you about him last week and he ended up delivering and but of the top five golfers right now uh of the top five most expensive golfers we have him with the worst value projection but a pretty high ownership projection at around 22 percent you know the highest outside of rom of those top five guys now the one thing that's pretty cool though with the data golf model on daily roto is that you can choose how 
you want the model to weight certain things, whether it's course history, long-term form, or recent form. And if you start toggling with the recent form and making that a higher weight, Harmon gets impacted by that quite a bit. He's played five tournaments uh, of what's considered this season. Granted, three of them were in October and November, but he's finished in the top 10 in all five of those in the top five and four out of those five. So if you're a believer in recent form, I can see why you would still keep paying up for Harmon. But the way I look at it is he's at peak price you're not getting an ownership discount and he's just not that strong of a value overall yeah Harmon actually is uh has four top five a solo eighth in his last five starts and at the career builder he's finished 11th and third and he had an 18 under uh when he finished third so i think there'll be a lot of people on him again this week yeah, I certainly think he's going to carry somewhat chalkier ownership. And uh, one note that I would like to make about this top group here is that you, even with the cut after three rounds, I don't think, you know, as I said at the top of the show, you want to force in two expensive golfers. I just don't see the value there. And Colin, you might want to comment on this, but I know you looked at some of the optimal lineups on our finish probability projections. And the one that was optimizing top 20 odds, you know, the best chance of getting all your golfers in the top 20 actually didn't have anybody in this 10k plus range yeah and that's one of the things that i like about our projections is that you can look at things based on the fantasy scoring but you can also look at the probabilities and so if you're trying to load up on fantasy scoring then i think playing with rom as your anchor is definitely the best way to do that but if you're trying to build more of a safe lineup to get six of six golfers through the cut or six of six golfers inside the top 20 then I think actually starting with someone down even past Phil as cheap as Webb Simpson is actually the way that you can maximize your chances of getting all six guys inside the top 20 because you're not going to be sacrificing on the bottom end of your roster. And so I think that's one other way, especially with so many birdies to be had, that uh, you can approach this week. And it actually is the way that ended up winning a lot of the tournaments last week. I'll tell you what, that's good news for Tony Sagata at the end. He doesn't have anyone in this group, so maybe Tony Sagata this week is going to put it up there and get, get himself some money, Mike. I'm feeling fired up now. All right, feeling frisky, as Pacheco of Daily Roto would say. <laughs> yes, yes, Chris Pacheco. Uh, people, I'll tell you what, back in the day on Sirius XM, uh, he, people loved Chris Pacheco. He was like a godsend. <laughs> he was the man. Uh, he would come on and talk about uh, crazy things, and we'd ask him one uncomfortable question. Real quick, here's the most <laughs> uncomfortable question I ever asked Chris Pacheco on the air. I said, Chris, you just started a date dating a girl, and you take her to Disney World, and you wait one hour in line. You get all the way up to the front of the line, and the girl is too not tall enough to get on the ride. Do you go on the ride without her, or do you go and walk back? And he said, I'll go on the ride without her. Well, that was that was a good choice. I'm glad he didn't panic under the pressure. So I've been hit with the Tony Shingata weird questions, and I've panicked. I've wilted under the pressure. But we'll, we'll have to get him on going for the green one of these weeks. He's big into the DFS golf. He can come on and mispronounce golfer names with us. <laughs> so we're looking forward to uh, the Chris Pacheco arrival uh, soon. 9,999 to 9,000 golfers. i got to ask yourself, which one do you guys are going to play more out of this group jason duffner goes from a 7500 golfer last week or 7200 to 9800 he won this event two years ago webb simpson at 9700 zach johnson 9400 patton kazir 9100 and chasen headley not to be confused with chase headley the third baseman of the padres but mike which guy in this group are you looking at 
I'm interested in Zach Johnson and Webb Simpson. I, I know I ripped Zach Johnson last week, but uh, if you look at the big long-term form for him, not long-term form, but just his overall skill, he's he's obviously one of the more talented golfers in this field. He just didn't have a very good last year. And there's another guy we'll get into later who's a bit cheaper who I feel like you could take that angle with. But two straight tournaments, he's been really strong to degree. And I mentioned shot skiing approach is one of the statistics I'm looking at this week, and he's strong there. Uh, but Webb Simpson, I wanted to get Colin's take on this. He's been putting very well recently, and a lot of the hubbub has been that he's changed his grip to Matt Kuchar's putting grip. And now the question is, is this a legitimate growth in putting ability? Because he's someone who TD Green's been good, but he kills you with his putting historically. Or is this just noise in the short term? Because putting week to week, tournament to tournament, is one of the most variant stats out there. I don't know if I have a firm opinion yet on whether or not it's noise or whether or not it's an improvement. But I do know that hasn't really been factored into our weighting, which is so heavily focused on long term form and web projects is a good play even in that environment so if you do believe that his putting is turned around and it's going to be a strength of his game then he definitely has upside beyond this i think web simpson jason duffner and zach johnson are all in the same conversation with me duffner feels a little bit overpriced now going up two thousand dollars from where he was last week and i think our projections have a slight preference for web simpson but it's close enough for me that if i was only building one lineup i think i would go with zach johnson just Webb performed so strongly on Sunday and his ownership projection is two times as high as Zach Johnson that they're close enough. It's kind of a coin flip for me, which one I prefer. So I'll take the low owned guy if I'm only building one lineup. But, you know, the truth is I'll probably have both of these guys on rosters this weekend. Webb Simpson has four top 20s at the career builder was 17th in 2016. How do you guys, you know, that's it really interesting how he changed his putting grip because I remember Rory McIlroy changed his. And I'm saying, man, you already a horrible punter, and it drives me crazy watching you get into the green in two, and I've got you on my team, and you can't, it, it takes you two more shots to put it in, and you're 10 feet away, and it drove me crazy. But you think it's a good move, Mike, to take them right away when they change their putting grip? Like, I, I'd want to wait. I, I guess the one way to look at it, if you're Webb Simpson and you're not a very good putter, and as Colin said, like he rates well for us without that factored in. So the way to look at it is it's just additional upside. Like he's already a bad putter. If it, it, the yeah. new grip doesn't work, you know, what's your downside? You're not really losing anything. Whereas if for some reason it's legitimate growth and it does work, then you've got upside beyond what already looks like a pretty good play. So that's the way I look at it. So a lot of it comes down to where your baseline is. Like, is the new grip giving you additional downside or upside? I think in Simpson's case, because he's already a good play at this price, it's just additional upside. If it doesn't come through, well, you know, he's still an okay play. Yeah, that, very interesting. Colin, you feel the same way there? Like you can't get any worse? Might as well give it a shot? <laughs> I, I mean, I think you have to. No, I know when he first started on the tour, he was actually a decent putter. And then over the last few years, he struggled. So hopefully it's something he's he's figured out because he's definitely one of the strongest tee to green game players. Yeah, that's that's one of the thing, hard things. And then when the, the season starts, too, some of these golfers, when they change clubs, always uh, gets gets to me. I'm like, clubs make that big of a difference? But it seems to, Mike, uh, that the equipment change has also become something you gotta you got to stay tuned for. Yeah, I think that, you know, the putting grip's one thing, but when guys change clubs completely, it's definitely a wait-and-see approach for me. I, we've seen that before. I think Zach Johnson might have been one of those guys last year when he had a bad year. If he switched clubs, I, I could be mistaken on that, but uh, that that's a little bit scarier. 
You're listening to Go in the Green. We got Mike Leone calling through. We come back. We're going to get a golf is under 9000 bucks, and then everybody under 8000 so you don't go anywhere. These are the guys going to fill out your lineups coming up next, so you got to be in touch. you got to get it right. Stay tuned for Going for the Green. Right back after this. Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Welcome back to Going for the Green, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My name is Tony Sakata. I got alongside me from DailyRoto.com, Mike Leone, and Colin Drew as we get you ready for this weekend's tournament. And of course, you guys are going to love it. A little three-day golf with no pressure, no cuts, and then Saturday night, You'll find out in the Career Builder Challenge if your guys are still alive. And we'll get the, all the information you need over at DillyRoto.com. We're giving you a little brief overview tonight. Uh, but if you want the complete, complex information and everything you need, head over to DillyRoto.com. Golfers that are under 9000 but over 8000 Shez Ribi, 8900 Aaron Cook, 8700 Bill Haas, 8600 Russell Knox, 8500 That's a big bump from him this week, too. Bud Colley, 8400 James Hahn. Pete Yulhein, who was my one golfer that didn't make it, 8200 Chris Kirk, 8100 Bubba Watson, 8000 And I wrote Charles Watson, but that's actually Charles Hollow, third, <laughs> 8000 there, uh, as I got all Watson there. Uh, which one of these guys, Mike, are you uh, looking at, or which couple of these guys do you think you'll have the most shares of when it comes to this weekend? It's uh, Charles Watson. No, <laughs> Charles Howell the third for me. And th- there's a term that gets thrown on a lot in DFS analysis that I, I usually hate, and it's cut maker. And I think sometimes it's just lazy analysis to describe variance over whether a guy just happened to make the cut for a certain string of time. But in the case of Charles Howell, I think it is legitimate for him. He's seems like he's making the cut around 80% of the time, year in and year out. And on Daily Roto, you can look at our player comparison tool powered by Data Golf. And over the last 24 months, you can see he's made 83.3% of the cuts. And we've got him with the highest made cut probability of all the golfers below 9K. It's the eighth highest made cut probability of all golfers in the field. And uh, the only golfers that have a higher mid-cut probability than him are all $8,800 or more. So I think he's a really, really safe play below the average cost of a roster spot. Uh, that's very, very, that's a big number, 83% there. Colin, how do you feel about this group when you look at it, and who do you see yourself owning the most shares of? I definitely think I'll own the most shares of Charles Howell uh, just because of the safety that he provides. But I do expect him to be the most popular because he fits what he fits all sorts of roster builds. If you want to start with Rom, you can go with Rom and then drop down to Charles Howell. Or if you're going balance and he fits that, too. So I think his ownership will get up above 20 percent by the time all is said and done. And I'm still comfortable playing him at that level. 
But one guy that I think is interesting for DraftKings that we don't like very much from a finish bonus perspective or in the probabilities, but we like a lot from a DraftKings scoring is Bubba Watson. Uh, Watson should have ditched the pink ball this season, and hopefully that'll bring him back to some Bubba golf. Uh, But even without that, I think this is just a guy that can produce so many DraftKings points uh, when he plays from the birdies and eagles that he makes that as long as he's anywhere in in position on Sunday, even if he's inside the top 25, he'll be outscoring everyone who's finished in the same position with him. So I like Bubba Watson uh, for DraftKings this week, especially because I expect his ownership percentage to be below 10%. You know, so that's Watson... So, sorry, Tony, to cut in there, but Watson's the guy that I was thinking about before when I said with, with Zach Johnson, where he had a bad year last year, but long term, we know he's a really good golfer. And I, I feel similarly with Bubba Watson. And at the beginning of the new golf season, I like taking chances on these guys who long term are really good golfers, but coming off one bad season where you know hopefully they make some adjustments, whether it's the pink ball theory that Colin threw out or something with their swing. So I'm also on Bubba Watson. You know, it's interesting because it's his aggressive style of play that lures you in in this type of scoring format, right, where we have the three days. We expect high scores uh, somewhere over around 20, and he's going to take a shot at each and every hole, and he's there's no laying up with Bubba Watson. So, Colin, do you expect a feast or famine situation here with Watson? Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. He's also notorious for having a bunch of anxiety issues. And, I mean, it's impossible to figure out how that's going to impact somebody with a pro-am. But it feels like that there's at least some risk there that he's, you know, not happy with his playing group and he gets inside his own head. So definitely more of a tournament play. Like we said, Charles Howell III is the best player in this group. I don't think it's uh, even close as far as the safety that anyone provides at his price range. So, uh, that's definitely the guy if you're looking for something safe. And then Bubba's my guy if you're looking for something a little more risky. Uh, I do think there are some good players that are a little bit more expensive. I know that Brendan Steele and Ches Revy are both guys that project decently in our models. Uh, Ches was among the top five, I believe, last week uh, as far as strokes gained. Peter Green, he just had a really poor putting week. And so his finish was still solid. But if he had had a decent putting week, he would have been even higher up on the actual leaderboard. So I think both him and then Steele is another guy that can uh, get, you know, compete in these birdie fests and is, is another guy that's really strong to Green. And so those are some of the guys that are a little bit more expensive if you have the extra salary. Now, you guys both disregarded my man from Jacksonville, Florida, Bud Cawley. He has seven top ten since the career best tied for third at last year's career build. He plays 14th a year prior. He's third on the tour in strokes gained. Mike, why no love for my man Bud Cawley? I just think the price has gotten up a little bit higher where uh, you know Howell is safer yeah. and better to make the cut and at 8K. Bubba's got more upside there at 8K. And Cawley just gets lost in the shuffle for me where I don't think he's a bad play. I just don't think he's like a top 25 play in this field if you're looking at all the golfers at all of the price ranges. That's interesting. It's hard to argue that point, even though I'm trying to support my local golfer. Uh, so it doesn't look uh, good there. How about Chris Kirk, who got off to that big start last week? He had a 63 to open it. And then, of course, uh, he was tied for eight, eighth in 54 holes last year, but faded last year, tied for 21st. Colin, is Chris Kirk anything? 
Yeah, Kirk's another one of those guys. He's interesting. They they were quick to price up Kirk and Knox. They were guys that last week I wanted to see how they performed because they kind of had a down season in 2017 compared to what they had been on the world stage for the couple of years prior to that. And they, they looked, they both flashed signs of their old form. So uh, I think that Kirk is interesting. Um, I'm not sure if I'll end up playing him. Just uh, one of the things that last week was a lot of his strokes that he gained were around the green. So that was showing a really strong short game to keep him in contention. And I think that the strokes gained approach and really being able to keep the ball in play off the tee are going to be important. And those weren't things that he popped in quite as much last week. So I guess I'm still holding off, I guess, on Chris Kirk for another week or two until I see if this is something that will be consistent this year. All right, Mike, who are the guys under 8000 bucks that you're looking at to uh, fulfill your roster requirements at the end and try to get some golfers in your lineup? Uh, one of my long-term favorites is Kevin Chappell. And uh, just from a field perspective, I feel like he's an upside guy, but it's nice with the data golf that we can match this up with the data. So data golf has him third highest in odds to win of golfers under 8K. They also have him third highest in DraftKings scoring points under 8K. So he's got upside in a couple of ways, both that he could have a top finish for the guys in this price range. And even if he doesn't, he's someone that can make enough birdies for a really high outcome so he's one of the guys I like the most where I think that the price tag is appropriate for him. So you're really just getting a lot of upside. And if he doesn't realize that upside, he's still an okay play on an average outing. Uh, Colin, is there a guy that you're liking at the uh, cheap price of under 8000 One guy that I don't trust at all for cash games just because he battled so many injuries last year and then the last event he played in, he withdrew. I believe it was a family issue, but still, it's just like a lot of of knocks against him in the recent months, but his long-term skill is so much higher than his price, and that's Brant Snedker. So that's one guy that in tournaments I'd be a little bit more willing to gamble on because I think if he was healthy and he had been healthy for the weeks leading into this, he might be priced in the high 9,000. So you're getting a little bit of a discount there. Like I said, there's enough kind of red flags there that I don't think you can trust him in cash games. I don't think you have to because there's other nice plays. But for tournaments, I think that he definitely has the top 20 upside that we'd be looking for at his price. Yeah, he's an amazing uh, putter, short game player. Last year was just an off year. It seemed like it was just full of injuries. And now's the time when you can cash in on these guys when they come back early in the season because if they're healthy, they're going to go up pretty quick. we already seen some guys go up uh, 2000 bucks in, in a lot of these situations. One guy that I'm looking at is uh, David Lingermoth. Now, uh, Mike Leone, how old, is, how old is your child, Mike? He's going to be one year old on the 27th. Do you feel like you got better since your child was born at what you do? I, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> so maybe David Lingamont's not a good play. He had a child born December 22nd. I figured he needs to get out of the house. But he's finished runner-up in two appearances, and he's 5-for-5 five five in his last five events. I'm looking at David Lingamont as a guy on the cheap there. Any thoughts on him, Mike? 
I think, you know, I, I look at him like I, I look at Kali, where I think he's fine. Uh, he's just someone that doesn't stick out to me as someone with, like, a huge amount of upside or he's really safe. And some of the other guys in this price range, for example, like Stuart Sink, Lucas Glover, I think these are safer type guys to make the cut, high mid-cut probability, not super high variance type of plays. You know, I like those guys in, in that sense. And then if you're going risky in GPP, someone like a Scott Piercy, who has our second highest win probability under 8K, just in my mind, he's a high variance type of guy. And also, he gained nine strokes T to green in the last event. So that's something we really like to see and something you can play off of in a tournament format. There you go. Colin, uh, this guy's rough. Mike Leone doesn't stick up for fellow young fathers like himself. Uh, when we come back, they're going to put my lineup out there, and they're going to try to tear it apart two weeks in a row, and we'll see if it uh, loses steam on Sunday again this week. You're listening to Going for the Green right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You can check us out every Tuesday night, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern. If you can't stay up that late or if you're watching basketball, uh, you can wake up in the morning, go to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, get it delivered right to you device and that would be the greatest thing to do or you go to dailyroto.com and while you're checking out that great great stuff uh, over there you can listen to the show you win win that's what it's all about coming up next my lineup you'll get these guys to ridicule it and then you can decide who's right who's wrong stay tuned for more going for the green if you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season you need to sign up for daily roto Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back to Going for the Green, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It is Colin Drew, Mike Leone, and Tony Cicada. Mike, uh, I don't see a lot of discos in Buffalo. You know, you Bills fans, where you throw tables through uh, people through tables and the burning of each other. I don't see like disco being a big thing. Oh, we have like this world's largest disco thing that's hosted really? in Buffalo. So you're wrong. I've never been really? to it, but. Really? You should try it out. I mean, that could be a lie. That could be fake news, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) it has happened. Uh, Here is the lineup I'm going. I'm going with Bill Haas, $8,600. I usually like to go with guys that are on a roll, but he's not, to tell you the truth. Uh, He's the all-time earning leader, but he has two wins among his eight top 20s here. So he's played really well at this course, but not playing well as of late. I got David Lingermouth, as we talked about, 7,800. Bud Cawley, 8,400. Brian Stewart, 7,500. Patton Kazea playing well, 9,100. And James Hahn, he shot a 62 on Sunday. Hopefully, he keeps it rolling at 8,300. What do you think here, Mike? So, from a macro perspective, I like what you're doing. We mentioned that if you're not going to play ROM, there's definitely room for balanced lineups, especially if you're maximizing top 20, and then you just hope to grab a, a winner out of here. So, I like the balanced approach. I also like that... I know you mentioned Haas hasn't been playing that well lately, but some other guys in this group are some strong recent form guys. And again, on the data golf tool that we have with our projections, you can weight recent form a bit heavier. And if you do that, some of your guys in here start to rate a little bit better from a value perspective. So I like that you're getting guys like uh, Kazair, Stewart, Han, where 
they are strong recent form plays, which oftentimes makes sense for tournaments, but you're not really paying a huge premium on price tag. You're not paying a huge premium on ownership. So I think that's the good with your lineup. Uh, Just when I look at all the individual plays, I just think you're lacking some of the better values in this field. And, uh, you know, all these guys are okay. They're all positive values in the data golf fantasy model this week. But uh, I like some pivots, let's say, from a Haas to a Russell Knox or a Lingmurth to a Chapel with Chapel Knox being... uh, two pivots that break better both in the fantasy model and in the finish probability model. Carl, what do you say? It seems like Mike Leone probably didn't like Rocky Balboa back in that first meeting with Apollo Creed uh, either. <laughs> I, I think Mike's being a little kind here and he's, you know, sugarcoating a little bit. I think what he, he was trying to say is if you went through and you kind of picked out all the worst values within a given price range that your lineup looks like it's composed of a bunch of those guys. And we definitely need to get you set up with the projections over at DailyRoto.com. My team is going to overcome. I'm going to talk to them and uh, send them each a tweet. And a motivational tweet, I think, is the way to go about putting your DFS golf lineup. You don't think that'll work, Colin? <laughs> it, it might. I think uh, Bud Colley might be an Alabama boy, so maybe maybe motivate him after the national championship with a little tweet there. I don't know. David Lingmurth doesn't strike me as a, a big Twitter guy, and neither does Bill Haas. But no. they'll keep it professional. They'll be able to play with all the amateurs this week. Yeah, Bill looks like he's 35 going on 53. I'm, I'm concerned about Bill. He doesn't look good lately. Hey, Tony, Yeah. N- November 24th, world's largest disco in Buffalo. Are you going to be there? November 24th. You know what? I got time. That's over the Thanksgiving weekend. Like, we could practice and stuff before then. So if you're not a disco guy before then, uh, you get there. You get time to get your satin pants. And you get time to call Scott Engel at rotoexperts.com and get all the dance lessons you need absolutely free as the king can really dance. Colin, are you a good dancer? I'm not a good dancer, no, no. But I don't think I'll be at the disco with you guys in Buffalo in November. I don't know if that's high on my vacation <laughs> list. I need to need to make it to Hawaii when I win one of these millionaire makers. Uh, great stuff, guys. You can go to dailyroto.com and check out all these guys' great works. They say my team sucks, so you better head over to dailyroto.com and get yourself a better team. You never know. I'm hoping my team's going to do it, and they're just trying to undersell me. But yeah, I think they're right. I don't know. I'm a little concerned now. So we'll see you next Tuesday on Going for the Green right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good luck and win some money this weekend.